New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Michael Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Dr. Richard Moss. Richard Moss received his doctorate of medicine in 1972, but after a few years of general practice, a life-changing realization led him to his true calling, the exploration of spiritual awakening and its integration in daily life. He's the author of several books, including Inside Out Healing, Transforming Your Life Through the Power of Presence. Richard, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Yeah, thanks, Michael. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, good to have you. Richard, what are the two fundamental mistakes we make in human consciousness? Yeah, if we step back, I mean, we look at all of the craziness in the world, the, the suffering, the, the distrust, the, the, the battles, the, the argument. What's the root of it? Why can't the Republicans and Democrats work for the best for our society? Why do they have to polarize the way they do? Why do the religions polarize the way they do? Why do the wealthy and the less wealthy... Uh, why is there such a defense of, of our own territory, so to speak? And the root of it, the root of it is that at our present level of development, which we could call ego, uh, very different than an animal that just lives out of, out of instinct and habit, that we identify with our thinking instead of have awareness of our thinking. So if we say to ourselves, I'm a Republican, it becomes a form of identity, and the belief systems of our religions become a form of identity, as opposed to thoughts about the nature of things that we're aware of and can have discourse about and continue to inquire into and evolve. Um, the second fundamental mistake is that we are also... Uh, not only is thinking a mode of consciousness, there are other modes of consciousness, but feeling is an essential mode of consciousness. Well, it turns out that right from the earliest part of life, we've been afraid of certain feelings. We've been afraid fundamentally of fear. We've been afraid of aloneness. We've been afraid of all of the darker feelings. And yet these are normal feelings, unavoidable feelings. They have to happen in our lives. They come for many different reasons. And we have to learn to not run away from them. We have to learn to give ourselves permission to feel them, be willing to feel them, and not to blame others for them, and not to blame the world for them. We have to make a space inside of us where we can feel safe with these feelings. That's the second fundamental mistake, that we are afraid of our own feelings. So it chases us into the ego. It chases us into thinking, into belief systems, into opinions about what will make us safer and what we have to do, and that will never make us safe. That's the, and that's the, that's the amazing thing about it. The only way to be safe is when something's inside of you that, that you're afraid of, you don't run from it, you make a space for it, you learn to hold it, you're gentle with yourself. And then you become safe, and everyone around you starts to feel safe. So we have to face our dragons. Absolutely. It's, mythology has said that forever. We have to face them, and we need to understand that the, the dragon is, is a symbol. You know, if, if you're developing your ego, the dragon may be the force that's trying to keep you um, from making a decision or from being decisive. If you're overly decisive, the dragon may be the feeling of the need to 
face helplessness, for example, or powerlessness. There's a time when those, those feelings, when allowed, give us wisdom. It's so, so crucial that we start to be observers of our thoughts, not let our thoughts take us into destructive emotions, because emotion cannot exist without a thought. There is no destructive emotion that exists without a thought, without some thoughts, with one thought after another, with your mind chasing around like a dog chasing its tail, you know, thought after thought after thought. You can't stop emotions until you become an observer of your thoughts, until you learn to quiet your mind, and that takes practice. And when the power of your awareness is strong enough that you can quiet your mind, you can also turn your inner gaze toward difficult feelings and stop running from them and treat them as if you've never experienced them before. It's a wonderful experiment to make believe, I've never felt this before, what am I really feeling? I teach people to do this with fatigue. You know, we, we say, I'm tired, but we haven't even stopped to really feel what we're feeling. And it turns out there's a tremendous psychological overlay for even something like fatigue, like, oh, I won't, I won't have the energy to, to do what I think I need to do, or, or someone has more energy than me. And every one of those thoughts that's tied onto the feeling of fatigue make you more tired. When I feel fatigue in the middle of a day, you know, in my busy travel and my work with groups and teaching, I stop and I look at it and I go, have I ever felt this before? What is this? seven seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, looking at something as if I've never looked at it before. Next thing I know, oh, it's, I don't even know if I would use the word fatigue. And now the energy's moving again in me, and I'm not tired. And I sleep wonderfully at night. You know, it's not that burnout of people that are constantly, constantly in emotional stress because of their thinking. In the book, there's a chapter that has three uh, stories where you basically have edited the transcript of these stories of three individuals. And it's remarkable to read those accounts because they kind of take you into what actually happens. Exactly, exactly. One woman was very ill without a good diagnosis, and yet the most poisonous part of her was not the illness, whatever it was, but the kinds of stories she told herself about having to be more spiritually active, having to be more creative and she wasn't accepting in any way her actual experience. She wasn't addressing her actual sensations. And she was putting such a miserable overlay. Another story is of a man who, with advanced cancer who just kept saying, I have to do something to heal myself. I have to. And that was much worse for him than actually living the life he had in that moment. And he's still alive and doing well now years later and still practices the work, you know. Not the story about what he has to do, but the exact experience of where he is right now. I mean, as I say so often, we have no idea how healthy we would be if we would get out of our heads, out of our stories, stop running away from our feelings, and really be present. I mean, your whole energy changes. There's a universal source of energy. You can't access it through your head. You can't access it when you're thinking. There's a story of the doctor coming in and saying, you know, you're terminal, there's no, there's, get out of here, I don't want to talk to you. First of all, no doctor should ever tell anyone that they're terminal because everybody's different. And you can touch into a place where some energy comes into you and suddenly your body's doing well again. I know people just year after year after year, they've been at the edge of dying from advanced fourth stage cancer. And as soon as they reconnect to themselves, they're functioning fine again. And the cancer is there. The tumor's still going in their body. Even in aggressive cancers don't seem to have the power to grow very fast when a person is really touching that universal energy that comes from not fighting life and being really in the present. I'm thinking of one woman in particular. She's just absolutely lit from within. 
what has it been, 13 years since her diagnosis of metastatic breast cancer? And her decision, since she at the time was about 64, she said, I think I'm too old to start with chemotherapy. She's still in fourth stage metastatic cancer. And she just doesn't fight anything. She has a conversation with death, which I describe in the book. It's amazing. The energy that's available to us when we start to live in the now of ourselves, this moment. You're someone who's traveled the world and been in many countries and many cultures. And as you see the worldscape in its present form, what do you see? What, what, what's going on? Well, it's just what I said to you. We have minds, but we're used by them. We're used by our thinking instead of using it properly. And people are scared, and they think that there's no way to make the future safe. It's a waste of time. You have to make the present moment safe. This moment has to become the moment that's safe, not the future. You can't make the future safe. How do you make this moment safe? You tune into a deeper wisdom so you know why you're living. You tune into that deeper wisdom by quieting your mind and coming really present and taking the time to get that answer that comes up from within yourself. And then you know, okay, this is what I'm going to live my life for. I'm going to live my life to really help compassion and empathy and caring grow in my family and in my business and with my friends and, or whatever that answer is for you. And I know that I'm part of nature. I'm not the dominator of nature. I'm going to be a servant to this environment. And then you have to make yourself safe by simply saying, I'm willing to feel what I feel. I'm not going to blame my wife. I'm not going to blame the government. I'm not going to blame money. I'm not going to blame my health. I have to feel what I feel. I have to make a safe home in me right now for this feeling. If it's loneliness, for this feeling. If it's woundedness, for this feeling. If it's fear, for the feeling of fear. Then we're as safe as we're ever going to be. If there were one thing that you could leave our listeners with, what would that one thing be? Don't take your mind for granted. Watch your thoughts. Don't let them take you out of the present. Take responsibility for what your thinking is creating in you. And come back and start all over. Who you really are begins again over and over again in this present moment. Richard, I want to thank you for being with us on the New Dimensions Cafe. You're welcome, Michael. It's great. I've been speaking with Dr. Richard Moss. He's the author of Inside Out Healing, Transforming Your Life Through the Power of Presence, published in paperback by Hay House. And if you'd like more information about Richard's work, you can go to the website, richardmoss.com. And Moss is M-O-S-S, richardmoss.com. You can also get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe. I'm Michael Toms. Please come back again, and don't forget, when you go out there in the world, do something good. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. 
please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.